Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hello and welcome. It's your end of the week uh, Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host, Gabe Lesdra, and I'm joined, as usual, on this end of the week show by a, uh, I think, a much happier crew. Let's just sound off really quickly. I've got Keon Sabani. I'm here and I'm happy. And uh, Om Arvin. Hi, Om. I, I'm here and I was happy until I tuned into the Cavaliers game, but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> We can we should do a basketball podcast eventually, but no, nah, not tonight because tonight we're talking Real Madrid um, uh, three Las Palmas zero in the Bernabeu. Um, much 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 nicer match to speak about today uh, than the last couple of shows, guys. Can I just say I would love to see Om start covering basketball. I want <laughs> I want to see a tactical review of a, of an NBA game. There's a lot to say, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there. I'm sure there is. Um, this was a great game. It was. It was like great in the sense that it was a good stepping stone, good little pick me up. Um, you know, and I, I mentioned this, but it's amazing what one Asensio Golasso will do to pick the team up, pick the fans up. Because I found right after he scored that, it was just, it was jubilation. It was confidence. It was conviction with the ball. It, they felt like, oh, we're Real Madrid again. Um, even if yeah, it was for brief moments. Well, it's also like not just the fans, right? It felt like as soon as that happened, I mean, really, it wasn't just that. I mean, like the whole second half was just Madrid played with confidence and with finally with a little bit of joy, like a little bit of like you got the sense that they were at least sort of enjoying playing, which I got to be quite frank. I haven't seen that joy at all since the um, the, the Super Classico in, in, against Barcelona. Like, I don't think that this Madrid has looked like they've been having fun out there until today. Yeah, I think maybe like the, the, the Sociedad game away was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, other than that, like, I can't honestly can't remember like it. There, I'm sure they were there were moments of happiness, but like that, you could see them on the faces of like when Asensio scored, he looked over the moon, and yeah. and everybody yeah. and everybody like the tone completely changed after that. Yeah, and I think the I mean the 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 one of the stories that's like the narrative that's come out of this game, Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean he's still struggling to find the back of the net, but I mean it won't continue too much longer. But he did have a great assist today. I think overall he's been playing really well. It's just that goal is just not coming for him. And we we saw a couple of shots um, today where it's kind of classic Cristiano Ronaldo goals. Like he had a bending ball from the where he cut in from the right, used his left foot, hit the side of the post. I mean, like it's just the kind of shots that you want him to keep taking, even if he is shooting, you know, like one for fifty almost. Yeah, so I have I have some stats. So Ronaldo has 48 shots in La Liga, and he only has one goal. But he's hit the post. I think someone told me on Twitter he's hit the post four times. So that's, <laughs> so that's some bad luck right there. And his expected goal total is 5.31, and he only has one goal. And right. his goal-to-expected goal ratio is even worse than Benzema's, which surprised <laughs> me a little. But I think because when you look at some of Benzema's misses, like he's just been missing them badly, whereas Ronaldo's put shots off the post and stuff. So there's something about what I've seen between the two that makes me more confident that Ronaldo's going to get out of this sump quicker. Whereas yeah. I was not impressed with what I saw from Benzema today, but I guess I guess we can talk about that a bit later. Well, yeah, why don't we... I mean, no, no, why don't we just go right into that? I mean, like, the... the... I mean, if we do it half by half, the first half Madrid did look a little bit stuck, especially in the beginning, the first 20 minutes or so. 
Las Palmas did seem to be in the upper hand. And the truth is that, you know, there was one mo- minute, you know, in the in the, the one moment in the opening half that really would have been done, you know, just marvelous things for this team. And it was around minute, I don't know, 15 or so when Madrid sprung a counterattack with a beautiful pass from Ronaldo who freed Benzema and Benzema, you know, one on one with the keeper had two options, like have a even half decent shot probably scores from there or slotting it across to, uh, I think it was uh, Isco for the tap in. And he did neither and shot really, really badly. I thought that that moment in the first half was very indicative of where Benzema has been, where he just that was a classic overthinking it move, guys. Like that's the kind of thing where like anyone who's on form is taking that shot from just a half second or even a whole second earlier, and you're scoring that or at least putting a good shot on. What Benz did was he held on to it until he basically couldn't get a good shot off, and then he got a shot off right into the keeper's legs. I think like in that position, it's overthinking is actually a really good way of putting it, Gabe, because it was one of those positions where you have good options, you know how great your options are, but there's also pressure to think quick and make the right decision. Um you know, and, and that's what it was. I think he was caught in a two world. So he was like, he saw Ronaldo and he saw the shot. He saw he saw a defender coming. Maybe he could suck him in and then play it square. And then in the end, he just did none of those things. And it's like, right. it was kind of weird because like Morata had a similar position today with Chelsea, like at the very end of the game where he was on the right. He had a counterattack, plenty of space, and he just kind of fell over because he had, he had such a good <laughs> opportunity and he was such a good position. But no, like, there's um, there's like literally no excuse for that, and I think, I think Benzema has looked okay this season. Um, I I agree. Over I think, the season, I think today he was terrible. But this, yeah. he looked terrible today, and I think generally he looks worse at home. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's an issue. I think whether it's the pressure or just he he just can't. He just it looked like he had zero confidence, and it wasn't just that. There was another header later in the first oh. half, which we, he was in a really good position to score, and he just. This is not the same Benzema we know, and I, I, at one point, no. do we really consider it a problem? Like I think Om brings up a really good point. It's not the same issue as Ronaldo because Ronaldo looked great today. Not just the pass from Isco, but he he looked very agile. He looked mobile. He looked dynamic. He had a couple really nice cut in and shots um, that just missed the far post. And at some point, you know, you do got to look at it and and see is there right. a solution to this. Yeah, so I just I just really quickly guys want to shout out to my dude uh, Benzema can't score a goal guy. <laughs> I, I so I finally had a con- decided to have a conversation with him and I couldn't figure out exactly what was going on because like he resp- he kept responding like oh, Benzema can't score a goal. I was like, "All right, man, well, like what why do you hate Benzema so much?" And then he said, "Messi is better than Benzema." And I was like, "Wow, we're, <laughs> we're moving somewhere. Messi is better. No one is disagreeing with that." And then he was like, "You guys need to stop uh you know, sucking Benzema on the pod. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's where we are. I mean, like, he didn't explain any feeling of why he hated Benzema, but he does clearly. And so if he's listening to this, like, hit me up. Tell me why you don't like him. <laughs> Can we also just that, clarify the definition of sucking Benzema on the pod? It's like, <laughs> it's it's just the fact that we we don't, don't ask him to him? be like, sold. Like, 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 that's it. it yeah, I mean... If people had actually been listening to the pod rather than just kind of picking their moments off like the hours and hours of we've spent talking about various issues, including Benzema, they'd know that we've been fairly critical of his performances, especially last season. Yeah. Where Keon and I were were calling for a formation that didn't even include Benzema in the lineup. It was a four two three one with Ronaldo as the spearhead of the attack. And I personally was a lot more optimistic this season because I saw this season what I didn't see from Benzema last season, which was his link-up play was back, and he was looking good all around. But today, I was really worried because he had half the touches that Ronaldo did playing in the same position. He got subbed off the 75th minute, but that's still pretty bad. And aside from blowing his chances, he just didn't look involved at all today. So right. we've had a season and some, you know, some more matches, and it's starting to look like Benzema's on the decline. Like, I, I don't know how debatable that is at this point, and it's why Mor- Morata's loss like is is really hurting us. And you know, definitely looking at a striker next summer would be beneficial. It's just we ha- it's about trying to find the right fit for for Real Madrid because if we're saying Ronaldo, if Ronaldo like comes back 
and starts putting in goals like we expect him to, we're going to need a striker that can do similar things to Benzema because, yes, Benzema isn't scoring at the rate we need him to, but we also need someone who who, who can right. have that link-up play. And so there are some nuanced answers and questions to be had over the season. And right now, I my, my faith in Benzema has slowly been degrading a little bit. And, and this season, I'm starting to think, well, he's had a brilliant career, but it might be time to back it up. Yeah, and he's and I think one thing that is kind of underlining that for me, Om, and I, I've actually been kind of a lot of this this is this season I've been spent thinking about exactly what's going on and, and one of the answers that I think is banging on the door is is that there has been, I think, almost incontrovertibly some, you know, uh, degrading in the in the play of some of the older players. I think you can kind of see it a little bit with with Sergio Ramos also who like put in such an intense shift last season. I don't mean like but he just isn't quite the same player. And maybe he turns it around too. But like, I, I think especially Benzema, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like he is, you know, he is towards the business, like the end of his career, not, you know, and everyone kind of ages in a different pattern. And Benzema obviously has played at this team since he was quite young. And like, he's actually had a really long, really storied and really good career with Real Madrid. But the truth is that he, that career has also involved just a tremendous amount of work, a lot of running, and you you get the sense that maybe it's it's he's on the decline. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo is obviously a tremendous and you know all time physical specimen, so like his aging pattern is going to be different. But the truth is that t- the players really do. You know, they do turn a corner, especially when, when a lot of what they do is reco- rely on some sort of a combination of speed and other physical attributes at around age 30. And that's where Benzema is now. So, like, I don't think it's an insane thing to say that he might actually not bounce back to where he was previously. I wonder how much, like, just being completely snubbed from the French national team affects him mentally. I wonder how that whole thing just affects him. But I also, like, and I look at this and I look like, look, he has really no no competition apart from Mayra giving him rest. And Zinedine Zidane is, I don't think there's any coach in the world who would have as much faith in Benzema as Zidane does. And I, and to me, if, if that doesn't motivate you, I don't know what will. And it's not that he's not trying, he is. He's just in such a rut. Like, it, yeah. he's missing open nets. Um, he just looks mentally shook. And, you know, I think Zidane is just a master of getting players to kind of get belief in themselves. And, and I'm wondering, like, if, if that doesn't work, what is what is going through his head right now? Yeah. So let's um, let's move forward and talk about some of the things that were really good in this match. Um, you know, obviously, Casemiro with the first goal off of a, a corner kick. Uh, finally, nice to see Madrid score off of a set piece as one of... Madrid's real strength last season and not at all <laughs> this season. There have been a number of set pieces where they could have scored, but they didn't. And good to see Casemiro get Madrid on the scoreboard there. Uh, going into halftime, though, it, this this was not as comfortable a game as it became in the second half. And, like, I wonder if you guys, uh, Ohm, if you saw any tactical shift in the second half that Madrid didn't have in the first half that you know kind of would explain that, or if it was really just a matter of the players deciding to go out there and just play their game. So, I mean, I I did see a bit of a shift in the first half and the second half, but I thought I thought they were fairly similar in the sense that, um, it, except for one, one thing, really. So, Madrid had, I think, 14 shots in the first half, and they had 27 shots in total. So, you do the math, and it was a pretty balanced offensive performance across both halves. I think the real difference was in the first half, how many counterattacking opportunities Las Palmas had. And Vallejo, who I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about later, had a simply brilliant La Liga debut. And he prevented a lot of those counterattacks from turning into shots because Las Palmas only had one shot in that half. And that doesn't reflect nearly the amount of counterattacking opportunities they had. And the second half, I think we were a bit more structured in our offensive play. You know, not amazingly, but I, I, I think we were a bit more structured. I think Isco stuck to the left a bit more, and that allowed us to counterpress better because everyone was kind of more rigid and in their zones and we could recover the ball. But there were still times when Las Palmas would rush forward and it would be like three versus one, four versus two, and we'd rely on Vallejo to bail us out. Um, I I think what really made the difference was that Asensio goal because that just lifted everyone and it it made everyone feel so differently about the game. And I, I think it was just like 
seeing the players have fun because immediately after that you had like Isco and Marcelo yeah. chipping the ball over players. So I think that was kind of the really the biggest difference. So let's let's also talk really quickly about um one attacking aspect that I've noticed and it seems like Madrid uh it's not that they've become super predictable exactly, but that without the really um important addition of Danny Carvajal on the right, they they do seem to 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 run up against sides that are going to play something like five at the back or at least a system that allows them to pack the uh, Madrid's left and try to just say, look, we understand that a lot of your attacks come through the kind of tandem of Isco and um, Marcelo and, and whoever on the left and just try to have Madrid beat them in some other way. I think Spurs did that very well. I think they're that, that and I think that, you know, they, they uh, Las Palmas did try to try to make that happen and how successful they were. It's, it's almost, beside the point because they've followed the same blueprint that a lot of these teams have been following. Do you think um, that Madrid is going <laughs> to find a way out of that without Carvajal? I mean, it's really difficult because the, the two most underrated players or Marcelo, maybe not as much, but definitely Carvajal, you know, those two were really underrated last season because we relied so much, especially in the diamond for them to essentially carry the entire flanks themselves and deliver crosses in. And Marcelo's been kind of subpar. I thought today he was pretty good. But not having that other player on the flank who provides an equal threat is, is a big deal because teams aren't going to be as afraid of the switch ball to the other side. So I'm not sure how much we can do tactically because Nacho's good. Off, he's better offensively than people give him credit for, but obviously he's yeah. a Carvajal. And Asha still has some time to grow. So it's, you know, maybe attack through the middle a little bit more um it's it's difficult because there's only so much you can do when you don't necessarily have the personnel um i i do think nacho is stronger offensively so probably try to switch the ball to him more because teams will definitely be complacent when carbajal isn't on that right wing but there's only so much you can do one i i kind of want to just quickly go i want to continue on this discussion but i also want to go back to the point about um saying like las palmas had one shot in the first half. When I saw that stat at halftime, I was blown away because the eye test told me something completely different. Yeah, and I yeah. couldn't believe Las Palmas only had one shot from all that because they look so dangerous on the counterattack. And it's the same problem. We That's just the same recurring problem that one vertical pass is like all it takes to catch Real Madrid on the counterattack. And the defensive transition basically just relies on in this game, Vallejo with a last-ditch interception or tackle, or in past games, Ramos or Varana or Nacho or Casemiro. Um, and I wonder, like, if this was Las Palmas' last season team, like, that blitzed the league, like, to start the season with Boateng and Roque Mesa on the counter and Vieira, I think they would have really taken advantage of this. This one, not so much, because this team, this Las Palmas team is maybe the worst team in the league right now, but... Um, the the issue on the flanks is interesting because Marcelo and Isco had like no room to work with um, for large chunks of the game, especially in the first half. And they kind of just danced around together and they played these nice passes. Aesthetically, it looked really nice. Like you're looking at it like, wow, look at Isco's control. It's unbelievable in tight spaces. And then you look at the, the box and there's four or five players, Real Madrid white shirts, in the box waiting for a cross while all of this is happening. And then eventually Isco and Marcelo just lose the ball or it goes out for a throw. And then you just realize how superfluous the whole thing is. And I, to me, I, and it's, it happened against Tottenham too. It happened against Girona too. And to me, I think it, Real Madrid just need to recognize that and say, yeah. you know, Isco has been so good at roaming. Like it wasn't really a diamond today. I get that. But Isco has been so good at roaming. Why not just interchange and go swap flanks like Bale always does, you know? Try to keep the defense shifting and guessing because when you know, Las Palmas were in a really low block. And when they pack, like, one flank like that, the best solution to break that is basically to make a cutting run on the other side and, and hit it and get the defense to shift and then eventually they collapse, right? Um, those are just, like, tactical, like, things that I think Zidane just needs to recognize in-game and implement. Yeah, and ask Isco to do it a little bit more because he does feel like... It's interesting because he does feel like he's getting the ball on the wing a lot and... For a player who ostensibly should be moving around, or at least that's what the whole format is is designed for him, uh, it, it it's silly that he would keep receiving on the left wing, you know. And and 
you, you want Isco on the ball, maybe cutting in from the wing, but also receiving in the center and even receiving on the right. I mean, one of the things, and you're totally right to point this out, like, I think that that's one of the things that Bale does really well is that he's getting the ball everywhere and he, you know, will has become a much better crosser over the years with his right foot. And that's something that, you know, I think is indispensable on that long switch. That being said, I thought um, Nacho actually looked really good today and had a couple of moves with, uh, I got to tell you, there were at least one penalty that should have been called on Nacho yeah. just for dribbling yeah. and, and getting by someone. And like, they, I mean, it was another situation with bad luck from Madrid because this, uh, this, uh, this referee really, really didn't want to call Almost anything, uh, definitely not penalties, even though there were a number of shouts. A couple of, I think I, I counted three for Madrid and at least one for Las Palmas also um, with Vitolo. So I don't know, guys. Um, I, I was impressed with Nacho, though. Uh, I wanted to mention that on, on offense today. I think that we undersell him as an offensive playmaker. No, yeah. he's good. He's he can definitely hold his own offensively. There's no question. Yeah. But if that's true, then there, it doesn't seem to me that there's an obvious reason that Ashraf should be playing as the first option on yeah, right back. I agree. Completely agree. I, I mean, mean, that is that is, it's, and this was such con- by Yeko's performance. You know, yeah. it was such confirmation to me. Like today, like we all, yeah. all the, most of us know how good Vallejo is, but to me, like. Om, um, do you remember last last game against Tottenham? I think it was you who put out a poll on the Manager Madrid Twitter account and saying, "Would you rather Ashraf or?" It was, it was like fifty fifty. And did you I read think. the comments? Because the comments were like, uh, "We can't trust Vallejo; he's too yeah, raw." It was, it was really bad. Ashraf has more experience. <laughs> Anyone who watched Vallejo last season would have known that he could have come in and played the first game of the season and maybe even started versus Barcelona because he was in the top five center backs in the Bundesliga that season. I mean, to say that Ashraf is more experienced than Vallejo is like, I, I, I don't know what to say because that means you just didn't watch Vallejo then because he's two years older and he, he played a full, full season in the top fight. So. Yeah, and, and he just came off anchoring the Spanish defense in the uh, U21 World Cup. I mean, it's, it's nonsense. Um, I just want to quickly go back to like what uh, Keon was saying about like Isco on the flank and stuff. So I definitely agree that we need to rotate the ball more to the other flank when teams are in a low block because that's kind of what you do in possession play, right? You you try to keep defensive blocks shifting so spaces appear eventually. But I don't necessarily think that Isco needed to do more roaming. I think we just needed to give the ball to Asensio more on the right side. Mm-hmm. I trust Asensio um, as a playmaker as much as I do Isco because he's a brilliant crosser of the ball, really just brilliant at striking the ball and delivering yeah. things. Um, and I think maybe the reason Zidane decided that Isco shouldn't roam so much today, it's because we've had problems with too much fluidity in the past couple games. So mm. it was more difficult for us to press because Isco and Asensio were all over the place and other players weren't shifting into their zones and we're just getting torn apart. Um, and so maybe that's why Zidane won a bit more rigidity. But having that said, there was a bit more rigidity and we still didn't press that well. So there's still a lot more work to do. Like that isn't the magic solution. No, but it did seem like there was more, at least, energy in the press today. Yeah. Like, in, in especially against Spurs, but against Girona also, you would see, like, occasionally one or two players would, would try to get the press going and no one would really follow and they'd, they'd end up jogging around. And in this match, every like there were, there were definitely moments when the entire team decided that they were going to try to press. And, you know, c- credit to Las Palmas for passing, passing through it, like, Obviously, you don't want that to, to happen. But to be fair, like, you know, if theoretically, like a press can be passed passed through if you make all the right passes. But, you know, and, they, and Las Palmas did that a couple of times today. And Madrid's press wasn't perfect. But, like, it was much better than against Spurs, I thought. Uh, yeah. I would also, I think it's also time, guys. Let's talk really quickly about Jesus Vallejo because he, I mean, so we all we've been saying forever that he is crazy, crazy good, and that he has a huge projection in this league. That he really is the future of Madrid center back. And I think anyone who doubts that after watching him in this his first match in La Liga, really, really should try to you know rethink because like this guy is 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 young and he is crazy, crazy cool on the ball really good technically and reads the passing lanes better than better than Ramos I think yeah I, I mean this guy I I've been a huge fan of him over the past season I've been I've been telling everyone who even cares to listen 
that he's going to be incredible for us this season. And I'm so glad to be proven right. I mean, in the Copa del Rey match, there was a really stupid red card. And after that, people are like, oh, I don't know if Vallejo's ready. I don't know if I trust him. And that was <laughs> that was just... Yeah, that was dumb, right? Because it was it was stupid red card, and and that's not like that doesn't tell you really about like also quality. like a random and and really aggressive call. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not like it, it. It's not like it was his fault exactly. I, also, so let's just you know go through some of the good things that we saw. I think there were a couple of question marks that he laid laid out. Like I thought on a couple of balls over the top that he could have played a little bit stronger. Um, Las Palmas was able to bring down. Uh, and I would have liked to see a little bit more physicality there. But I think that that's nitpicking at this point. He is, you know, he played kind of sweeper as he released Ramos to go forward. And he just picked out pass after pass after pass and was able to circulate possession back like someone twice his age. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit concerning to see how Ramos kept like running into the box. And I kept wondering, well, who is back to defend the counters? And it was really Vallejo by himself. Um, but... It's kind of telling that Ramos has the confidence in Vallejo to go forward and do that because yeah. he's like, yeah, this kid's just going to take care of it. And he did. Like, there were some, a couple of these interceptions where he was the last player and he made these incredible diving intercepts, interceptions. And that, it was just a brilliant display of his athleticism and intelligence. Um, like you, like you said, he did have a bit trouble, some trouble with like physically dominating his opponents, and that was a kind of a problem with Frankfurt last season. But that should, um, he should get better in the, at that as he goes to the gym and, and, and matures physically and gets older. I mean, having said that, he pushed over Vitolo a couple times. Like it was, it was nothing. Although <laughs> so Vitolo, let's just, be clear, Vitolo, Vitolo goes the down. Entire, like, he yeah. was really, really soft today, I thought, yeah. guys. Like he was definitely trying to get Casemiro a yellow card, but also he would just basically fall down. And like it was really interesting because it, he was falling down over and over again, really, really soft to the point that. You know, he could very easily have gotten himself a yellow card for diving, and not because there wasn't contact, just because he would choose to fall down at this at a time when there's only minimal contact. But if he would stay up for another second, maybe there'd be quite a bit more contact. It was really dumb, and I I just I was really unimpressed by Vitolo in this match, guys. I did not. I don't know. Maybe if that was because Baran was eating his soul or Bayeco was eating his soul a little bit, but like. He was he was extremely not impressive to me. He just he just not that good this season in general. And he's he's had injury issues and then when he's played he hasn't been good. The team around him is a dumpster fire. I don't even think he'll start when he goes back to Atletico, to be honest. I don't I don't know where he fits. It was just the whole thing is weird to me. But I think like if I had one wish as a Maridista, like moving forward, I could make make one wish. I would pray that the Varan and Vallejo partnership can stay healthy. Because it's so exciting, you know, moving forward. They're two, they're two really quick players, really high IQ. Distribution is good. They read the game masterfully. Um, yeah. And, but they're they both scare me with their injuries, and it really it would really suck if we get deprived. Like you know, even Byron, like we never talk about Byron, but he's his injury concerns is are kind are kind of scary to me. I, I just hope the two of them can find a you know, a good pairing together and they can stay healthy. That's my concern. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's the concern with these two guys, mainly because, I mean, for real, going forward, like, <laughs> the question is not about their talent and their ability, right? Like, it's the, it's simply about this physicality. And we'll see. We'll see how that, I mean, a lot of players grow out of early career injury issues. So I'm, I'm still hopeful with Vallejo, but... You know, Baran does seem to be a person who does get muscular injuries over time. So it's going to be important for Madrid to continue to have, you know, a strong and capable third center back in the mix. Yeah, how how is... I know Diego Llorente often plays as a defensive midfielder, but I know he can play a center back. I, I heard he's actually doing pretty well this season. He's been great this season. So, okay. like, last season, he, he, he was good. Then he lost his place for a while, and he, he just looked bad for a while. And then he, um, like from like I don't know marching on, he was he was really good for Malaga. And then this season, he's been good for Sociedad, but he's also been scoring. I get like I think he scored like four or five goals, and all of them have been like headers. He's, uh, he's that, yeah. I mean, I was just gonna say that's good because he's a versatile player, and he could definitely be useful for us at some point. Does Madrid have a buyback? 
This one was a weird one. I can't remember if they do or not. I don't remember. I don't even know if anyone knew the answer to this one. Mm. There was yeah, a lot we of talk asked, about it. We were asked this last season, and there was some confusion over it. There's always... Has there ever been a non-confusing buyback clause? No. No, that's a good point. I mean, the Maratha wasn't that confusing. Like, it was just obvious and clear buyback clause. The Mariano but, one is super confusing. Every, yeah, every day it's a different the, report. Uh, the French League, my understanding is the French League is, is uh, like prohibited from having technical buyback clauses. <laughs> yeah, and then there were a ton of reports that there was like some kind of loophole that Real Madrid got into its two-year buyback. And then, again, like Ligue 1, I think, or Lyon or someone issued a statement again saying, no, these reports from Spain are false. Real Madrid don't have a buyback on them. Yeah. Yeah, I just wonder maybe if it's like a maybe there's allowed to have like a right of first refusal. Like if Leon do decide to sell him, then Madrid would be able to come in and say we'll pay the same amount, um, give him to us, that kind of thing. Maybe. I also almost forget but, that Hamas is still a Real Madrid player technically. Yeah. What was it? It was a two season loan or something. Two season loan, yeah. Yeah. But isn't there like two seasons with a requirement to buy, just like with Mbappe? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The ball is um, in Bayern's court, pretty much. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go on to questions, unless you guys have anything else um, you wanted to mention about this match before we go forward. I just want to um, say I miss Bale. Yeah. Like there was that. There's one. There was one dude who always tweeted us after the podcast saying, um, "Stop defending Bale." Like that guy had a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy can shut that up. That guy had guess. a. But that guy had a point. The Benzema guy doesn't have a point, but the the guy who thinks we love Bale too much is probably right. That might be right. No, okay, that's that's a good point. But also, shut up. Like Bale's awesome. So, <laughs> but also, Bale remains the second highest scorer on this team. I'm just gonna say that like, he's he played a really good season before he went down. Um, so let's jump into your questions. Um, not tons today, which is good because um, I'm a little tired. <laughs> but also because um. I think that everyone's pretty psyched about the way the game went. Um, all right. Siantan Nandi asks us, um, what's happening with Mayoral? Baffles me to see that he is not even getting substitute appearances when Benzema is producing stinking performances match after match. Will it be better to send him on loan in January? No, you can't send him out on loan in January. He's like he's like one of your only options. He is your only technically, like your only striker option unless you count Ronaldo or a false nine. I don't... I, he's played... Eight times a season. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I don't understand I'm, this. I'm not that surprised he's not playing because there's. I personally still have a lot of faith in Mayoral, but like he basically didn't play last season, so there's a lot of question marks over his ability. And I, I don't think Zidane is wrong to doubt whether he can just step up and and perform in the shoes of of Benzema. Especially with the derby, I think, is after this. I think Zidane wanted to give Benzema another match to see if he maybe just gets into the groove right before the derby. So, yeah, this is kind of one call where it's not like the Morata situation last season where Morata had proved himself over and over again in, in big games and, and everything that you're like, oh, there's a, legitimate, there's a legitimate argument that Benzema needs to be benched ahead of someone here. Like here, I just don't see Mayara as a legitimate option for for a string of games, really. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it should, should be noted. Like, it's no secret that the situation that Real Madrid put themselves in with the striker thing was not planned, right? Like, Zidane said it on record that they they were supposed to sign a backup striker. It didn't happen. So I don't think Mayoral. You know, if you go back to square one in, in his plans over the summer, I don't think Mayoral was supposed to be even played this prominent a role as he has. Like, yeah, so was, he's made. It was Mbappe. Yeah, so, I mean, my, exactly. So I, I don't think Mayra was supposed to even play this much. Like, he's had seven appearances off the bench. He's had one start against Sociedad, which he played really good and he scored. I am a huge Mayra fan. I I don't know how much more you can play him. I, I At some point, I think, you know, Ohm makes a good point. This is the last game heading into the international break. Um, Benzema is clearly not going to play over the international break. Mayra is with the under-21 team. Um, I just think this was definitely a game where Zidane probably wanted to get Benzema going a bit. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add. Um, Ramin Nagy asks us, um, very, very good game by Real. Would have liked to see um, Ceballos play more. Same goes for Mayoral. Another Mayoral question. How do you, how good do you guys think Mayoral is? I think he at least deserved more starts. Um, mm. all right, do, do you think we addressed this? I'm not sure he deserves more starts yet, guys. 
I mean, I think we could talk about how good we think he is because we said we're fans, but we didn't really talk about like his ability. Um, I, I think we like addressed that he doesn't need more starts. So, yeah, I think I think Myral is good. Um, I I don't know how that previous loan at Wolfsburg, that disastrous loan, affected him and how that's going to affect his projection. But when he was playing well a season before that, he was really good. He's an all-around striker. He can dribble. He can pass. He has a higher technical ability than a lot of people give him credit for. And if yeah. if we can loan him after this season by another backup striker, I think he has a bright future. Yeah, I mean, like, the, you know, people are, like, talking about the importance of Benzema's link-up play, link-up play. Everyone loves that term. Um, but if you're looking for someone like Benzema who who can play a bit deeper but can doesn't need to be, like, a pure number nine, I think... People underestimate Myral's skills in that department. Like, when you watch him with Castilla, the guy was, like, playing deep and singing through balls from, like, you know, the halfway line at times. And I think people often forget that he, he was the one everyone was excited about more than Mariano was in that yeah. Castilla season. Yeah. Um, Mariano was obviously ahead of the curve just because of his age and his physicality. But in terms of pure raw talent, Myral was definitely the one with the higher upside. And I think everyone just forgot about that when he went and disappeared at Wolfsburg. And that was by the, the way, by the way, I think Mariano has like nine goals in his last twelve League One games. He's on fire. So, I he's doing really well, and I'm really happy for him. Yep, me too. Um, second part of uh, Ramin's question is uh, with regard to the Club World Cup in December. Should Zidane give more minutes to the younger players around that tournament, despite the hard games in December? I just want to say, um, I think that obviously he should give minutes if he's going to give minutes to the younger players the times to do that is at the club world cup and not <laughs> not against barcelona who you play in december or you know like running up to barcelona if there's going to be the atletico match and a couple others I, I just i think zidane should just defy the status quo and shake up what the norm is and just not go <laughs> just, I agree. Just, I agree. Just send them and we're like, yeah, we're not going. You just, just find <laughs> us, find us, whatever the finest. That patch for the first half of next year. Oh, I fucking hate that patch. I mean, at least the way it's placed. If it was like in the center of the two other badges, it would be good. But Jesus Christ, I hate the way it's just like placed oh, off. Center. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Blake Brown uh, says, "I like the switch in the starting lineup today, but agree." Uh, with what Ronaldo said this week about Real's handling of the transfer market during the summer. If players are in bad form, we like Benzema, we don't have a World Cup class player to come on like we did last year. We miss Hamas and Morata. I think this ca- is catching up to us now. What do you guys think? Um, we are freaking Madrid. We should have world-class players throughout the roster. All that said by Yeko Plitterly, well, um, best goal I've seen in a while for Real from Asensio. Um, I don't think anyone disagrees that like Madrid... Got a little boned in the transfer market. I still think long term Madrid are looking really good in the transfer and, and did a good job. But this season, this this was not ideal, and I don't think they expected it to happen this way, which is interesting because normally Madrid you don't see Florentino and Madrid get caught flat footed, and they were just beaten to Mbappe by PSG. I think it's a totally different conversation if Madrid have Mbappe on the roster. I mean, I mean, so like, I sort of agree with this take, but. This idea that somehow Real Madrid is supposed to keep a harmonious squad with several world-class players who are sitting on the bench for like 10 matches in a row is kind of ridiculous. I mean, these are guys who want to play. Like, Morata left not because like we wanted him to leave, but because he said, you know what, these minutes aren't enough for me. I mean, I personally yeah. think, and a lot of other people think that like he should have gotten more minutes, but he still got something like 1,700 minutes and... He was like, you know what, I want to go to Chelsea or I want to go to another team and I want to start. And he's done that. He's playing really well. Same yeah. for Hamas. I mean, I don't think Hamas's, uh loan is really affecting us as much as people say because Hamas didn't really play that much under Zidane. And I think Ceballos is a really good replacement. So it's just, yeah, sure, this squad isn't as strong as it was last season. But I don't know if it would have been possible to keep that squad and replace some of those players. And I still think that overall, this is the best squad in the world right now. So, yeah, squad problems. I don't know how much we can really complain about that. I also like if you ask any fan over the summer, like you have a choice to let go one player out of James, Isco, or Asensio. Every single fan would have said James. 
not well, every single fan can. Except, totally, except, except for that one guy on my Facebook page who. Yeah, that guy. Well, that guy, you know, is really loud and. No, look, <laughs> I I love James. I think he's a fantastic player. Like I have nothing against him. I and we spent he, a lot of last season defending him too. Yeah. yeah, he's he's such a decisive player. Like you saw his assist to Robin yesterday. I thought it was beautiful. The control and the pass, and I looked at that. I was like, man, I I miss that. But yep. you just you can't you can't keep him on the bench. You can't ask him to take a back seat to East Coast. I mean, my guy wasn't even on the bench in the final. Like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you blame him for leaving then? No. no. And he, here's. I mean, I, I feel bad for him that he it's kind like of my, went for yes, Carlo. My dude won two uh, Champions League with Real Madrid. That's awesome. And like, he definitely contributed. He was a huge part of those two Champions Leagues. So like, great. But like, the man didn't get to even sit with his teammates during the final like the guy was in a suit so like i i just yeah i can't blame him i also feel like morata i mean look you know i you can't hate on a player for saying look i think that this isn't quite what i want in my career i'm gonna go somewhere else to be the star like he wants to be the star and he was never gonna really even be that on real madrid and I, I mean, I wish he had given Madrid another year because obviously, like this team with Morata is a different conversation, and you know maybe he's taking that role from Benzema right now. But like, he didn't decide to stay. That was a choice he made. It was very clear, uh, as you both have noted, that Madrid didn't want him to leave. I kind of I mean, didn't want him to. I, I wanted to, in my opinion, and um, and I know I don't know if many people will agree with this or not, but I actually don't think the roster issue is is that that big a deal. Like I don't yeah, think I, the roster is as bad as people think say it is. Like I Morata was definitely the biggest loss. Um but like we're looking at someone like James, Ceballos can bring all that to the table. Yeah, yeah. no, no, I agree. And that's that, the thing, yeah. like we we look at uh, James and we look at like the contrast in this playing style with Isco and Asensio, where James is a lot, lot more decisive in the final third and he's much quicker and much direct. That is Ceballos. That's him. Yeah. That, that's yeah. what he does. So like as as soon as Zidane, I think, figures out how exactly he wants to shuffle this roster, which. I hope he will. Then I, I think this this issue will will be less of a problem. Like, um, you know, Yorente, pick, great pickup. Teo, great pickup. Um, eh, Ashraf, maybe not. Danilo, um, maybe not better or worse. But he's he's fine for now. But like the Morata thing, obviously stings, and that will probably be rectified in the summer. But other than that, I think it's better than what people give it credit for. Yeah, I yeah. just have I just have to reiterate that it's unsustainable to have what as Blake says world-class players throughout the roster if they're word world-class players they're going they're going to want to play a lot so it's it our squad was always going to get weaker after that season and it, I think it's just something we have to accept we're, we're Real Madrid we have high standards but what we had last season was special it was historical but it wasn't going to last yeah yeah no, I agree with that. And and people I think people overestimate it. And like you can also have a really good team that wins a lot of games that has uh that that ha- that doesn't have world class players across the whole um the whole squad. I mean or the, the, the bench, you know, littering the bench. But yeah, look at the the thirteen fourteen Madrid team. That was a really strong team, but I don't think the bench was anywhere quite like yeah. what it was last year. <laughs> um all right, last uh, I think last question, um, Anton Hackberg. Did Vallejo just prove uh, that he should be the first man off the bench if either Ramos or Barang go down? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I also think that Nacho in this match proved that he he is very uh, act good in the um, at, at right back. Hang yeah. on, guys. I think my laundry just got here. You guys keep talking, Tian. Just keep rolling. <laughs> keep rolling. We're we're just gonna sit here in silence until your laundry's finished. Um, I mean, yeah. I no, agree, I agree. Like, yeah, I completely agree. I, I think, and this, I love Nacho. I, I think, I think Vallejo is just, just really good and really ready for like at an elite level. And I, to me, it's just let's just give him experience, even more experience, and now let him just groom. Nacho, I think, to me, can just be Carvajal's backup right back and fill in yeah. anywhere else. But, and he won't be bothered by it. But Vallejo, I, you know, and I kind of. I feel kind of guilty saying this, but Vallejo is better than Nacho. Yeah, I mean, I agree as well. Like, I think Nacho is really good. And I think he, he had an absolutely incredible season in 2016-17. But Vallejo was also incredible for Frankfurt. And 
I keep going back to what his coach said about him, how he said Vallejo is just scandalously good and how he's never seen anything like him. It's He's just special. And I, I have, you know, with Carvajal out, I don't think Nacho is really going to lose out if Vallejo is the first one off the bench because he can play right back. And I personally believe Nacho is a better fullback than he is center back anyway. So in my mind, it works out perfectly. Yeah, I agree. And I think... Like, you, you watch Vallejo play, and it's just, he has, like, kind of, like, this old-school feel to him. Like, just, like, aesthetically and stylistically, he's kind of like a Beckenbauer. Like, he's got this, like, yeah, l- lanky frame, like, not that tall, but, like, tall enough to look like he's just, like, kind of physically imposing, and he's he's a good distributor, he's good on the ball. He hasn't showed him much with Real Madrid, but, like, with Frankfurt, if he was pressured or he was pressed he could dribble his way out of it like fine he would he would make runs up the field he would play these really incisive through balls I think once we see that version of Vallejo like it's just gonna be really fun yeah I mean he's if we wanted to play with the back three like in the future um yes. like three or four years down the line he'd be perfect because he has the perfect skill set for a liberal so if you look at a player like Bonucci and you're like well who's really similar to Bonucci you're looking at Vallejo because he's just made for that position where he sweeps in behind and he distributes from the back so there's a there's a really bright future um with him in this team well I think that's what was kind of frustrating with with Tottenham is like one of yeah. Zidane's solution was right to go like three five two pull Casemiro back, which Casemiro was like the anti three five two. Right, hi guys, <laughs> I'm back. Um, but I, Kian, I made a comment right it, on our midweek show yeah. about how if you start Vallejo um, and and Nacho at right back, suddenly you can do three five two with Casemiro still playing as defensive midfielder, as as cover. On that note, um, I'm kind of ready to say that Casemiro's bringing back his, some of his bad old habits from early last season. Yeah. Yeah. It, he started really, really well. And then in the past, like, three games or so, he's gone back to that thing where, like, he gives the ball away stupidly under the slightest pressure. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I think it's been a team-wide issue, and I think he's going to get back to his, his better form. This is also true. It's been a team-wide. Like, Kroos has very, been very uncharacteristic, like, the last few yeah. games. Yeah, people are asking why Modric was benched. And honestly, I wasn't surprised because... He was really bad against Tottenham, and he's been giving the ball away stupidly the past couple of games. And I thought he could use a rest. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. No, I, I, I in fact, I, I think against Tottenham, he was crazy uncharacteristically. Modric, even approaching the top of his game, doesn't play like that. Like <laughs> that was like forty percent of Luka Modric that match yeah. against Spurs. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. So. Uh, it's international break uh, officially, I think, now. Um, uh, I, my understanding is Cristiano Ronaldo won't be going to Portugal. Benz won't be going with um, France. So hopefully they you know, rest up, train hard, prepare themselves. Because when they get back, guys, Real Madrid Atletico. It's, uh, mm. it's the first big one of the official La Liga season. Uh, we'll be covering it. Obviously, we'll do podcasts. We'll probably we should see if we can bring Jeremy on to talk with him. Mm. Um, and I'm sure we'll um, see plenty of our colleagues over at Into the Calderon. Uh, until then, I mean, like, are there any important international break things that you guys are watching? Storylines to follow? I mean, let's just pray no one gets injured. Yeah. Well, right, it's the every every big club fans prayer that everyone issues at the beginning of an international break. Like, please, please, please don't let our players get injured. We'll cover the international break, obviously, on managingmadrid.com. Um, I guess some plugs is like right now I'm just going through uh, editing a Sam Sharp article, which will go up tomorrow, which is really, really big article about Martin Odegaard and how he's debunked so many of the, the narratives that the press has thrown at him. And Hell yeah. Yeah, so that'll be... It's really good. Um, so I'm excited to publish that uh, for Sam. Yeah, so. My dude looks really, really good, folks. Yeah, like it's, Odegaard is playing deal. really well this season. Yeah. Um, we should also do Patreon shoutouts. Yep, do them. Shout out. Okay, patreon.com slash managing Madrid, as you all know by now. And if you're a new listener, you don't know... Um, if you become a patron, you can actually join us for more bonus podcasts like Champions League coverage. Um, I mean, let's are- be clear. They're, they're only bonus in the fact that you only get them if you are a patron. But, like, they're full podcasts. Like, we they're full spend, podcasts, yeah. Yeah, they're full shows. Like, they're normal Managing Madrid podcasts. podcasts. Um, 
And if you want access to those, you just have to pledge a little, as little as a dollar a month. But you can pledge more and get different awards. Um, so patreon.com slash managing Madrid. One of the rewards is if you pledge $10 or more, one of the rewards you get among the other rewards you get is you get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to all of our over 200 patrons now. Um, and shout out to these patrons specifically. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Shout out to these patrons specifically who pledge $10 or more. Ready? All right. Deep breath. Nick DeStefane. Frederick Sundros, Doug Chisholm, Leon Stavronakis, Bjorn Salvador, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Bavik Shah, Sergio Monleon, Red Bat, Anthony Vasquez, Yahya Ibrahim, Kenny Gutzler, Gulet Ishmael, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Andrew Gomez, Anton Hackberg, Jimmy Obey, Daniel Smith, and Solomon Solomon Ortiz, who is our newest patron. Thank you, Solomon. And thank you to everybody. You guys are unbelievable. Thank you, and welcome, Solomon. Thank you so much for that. You guys rule. Um, we'll be back. I mean, we'll still do our, our, um, our midweek shows uh during during the international break um and i think they'll be a little more freewheeling so send us questions that are i mean if you want to talk about international break we can but also you know we'll have other questions (laughs) so like just toss us whatever you want um and we'll be we'll be around yeah done deal all right guys until uh until next week and then a la madrid Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes. Enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment. Movies. TV shows. Music. Free shipping and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.